Welcome to How I Got Here, hosted by seasoned educator Jeremy Proper. This is a podcast of conversations with his former students discussing their journey from middle school to where they are today. Guests highlight their successes and the life lessons learned along the way. And now let's welcome the host, Jeremy Proper. Welcome to How I Got Here with Mr. Proper. I will be talking to former students who will tell their story of their personal journey from Mr. Proper's class, aka Club 128, to where they are now. Everyone has a different path to get to where they are now, and that path may just be the beginning to where they actually want to be. In these podcasts, I hope to tap into the journeys that my former students have taken, for them to share their experiences with my current students, and for that matter, anyone else who is interested in seeing how hard work in and out of the classroom actually pays off. So let's welcome today's guest, Eric DeRoche. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful now that we're talking because it's been a while. It's been a minute, as you kids would say, right? <laughs> is that the vernacular? That is, that is. It has been a minute, but it is nice to catch up with you. It really is. And I remember you always having this deep voice, but you have really gone the Barry White way. I mean, your voice has dropped like many octaves since eighth grade. I mean, understandably, you're a full grown man now. But wow, that is those are some deep baritone pipes on you. Yeah, puberty did help me out a little bit there. And I don't know, maybe I should start my own radio show or something. We'll see. I think so. You have a great voice for it. It's like, wow, I'm intrigued just listening to you. I can't wait to ask you questions just to hear what you have to say. This is great. So first off, thank you so much for coming on and telling my students about your life and experiences. So what I'd like you to do is take a few minutes to briefly introduce yourself. Please include when you left the Dom, where you went to high school, then college, post-college, and what you're currently doing now. Okay, let's see. Well, as you said, my name is Eric DeRoche. Um, when did I leave? I went to Don Estridge from... 2008 to 2011 wow that was a while, while ago, ago. <laughs> um and then after after that i went to high school i went to west boca raton high uh, i went to the university of florida for undergrad and now i'm currently in a graduate program at the university of tennessee health science center in memphis i'm in pharmacy school nice did you have a particular path that you studied in high school were you in a program of any kind uh, so no, I, I didn't do, you know, the IB track or um, any any sort of anything like that. All I did was the typical AP and ACE curriculum, but nothing specific, no. Excellent. And then when you went, when you went to college, uh, did you know what it is that you wanted to do? Did you dabble in many things or were you already like, okay, this is what I want to go to school for? So I had a general idea. Um, most of my family works in healthcare. And I kind of knew that was something that I wanted to do. But originally, when I started off at UF, I actually was uh, a biomedical engineering major. And then I was taking some electives for that. I wanted to do, I was leaning towards prosthetics or making medical machinery, something like that. And then I was actually taking an elective, which was an intro to pharmacy elective and learned about pharmacogenomics specifically and was like, wow, I really actually enjoy this and can see myself um, doing this. And I, I spoke with some of my uncles who are pharmacists and switched over to a bio major and went to pharmacy school. Was that in any way easier than your original? Because that's ridiculous, your original major, in my opinion. That's unbelievable. Um, 
was that any easier or was it about the same level of academia? Like, was there any drop, like, did you notice any kind of drop off where you're like, whoa, I switched majors and this is actually easier or was it about the same? So I would say yes and no. Like, um, yeah, I'll, I guess yes is, is the overall answer, but not too much. So with BME, you know, you focus on your upper level, upper level chemistry, your calculus and all that. And then once I switched to bio, I didn't have to worry about calc anymore or anything like that. So it became a little bit easier, but I still had my upper level sciences and stuff. So Yeah, the high level sciences were still there, but the math disappeared. Right. Oh, okay. That's cool. How many AP classes do you remember taking in high school? I want to say I took upwards of 15, maybe around 20, somewhere around there. That That's quite a, that's quite a bunch. Wow, that's incredible. And do you remember, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but out of those, say, 15 you took, how many, how, how were your grades for those tests? Like, how many fives did you get? Did you get any fours? I got mostly fives, uh, mostly fives and fours. I think AP Chem was the only one I got a three on. That seems to be a common answer. I've asked this to many people, and they've said the same thing. It's like, that was the hardest one to pass. I, I, it just seems to be a common theme. That's interesting. Wow. So, And then you also took ACE classes because that's a Florida thing. So did you wind up getting like a Bright Future scholarship or something for college? Yeah, I had full Bright Futures, which was um, great, especially if you stay at a school in Florida. Um, basically, was going to school for just about free. So That's awesome. So your hard work, you would say, paid off with this free scholarship to get this free education. Oh, most most definitely did. And then, I mean, for students who decide to go to school out of state, you don't fully lose the Bright Futures because, I mean, as, as you know, my sister – she chose to go out of state and right. she, she got some of it. You, you lose um, some of it, but you do retain some of it, which oh. is nice. So it, it definitely paid off. That's helpful. That's definitely helpful. Yes. Um, uh, Eric has a twin sister. Uh, who's older by, by the way, who, who's first? She's older by six minutes. I kicked her out of there. <laughs> You're like, I need some room. Get out. Yeah, you oh, know, After, weird. after nine months in the womb together. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, and and again, it's funny as a teacher, like you see names and you're like, kind of like, well, it's uh, they've got to be, and and like you're not running around going, yeah, my sister's in your fourth period class, and he and she wasn't like, yeah, my brother's in your second period class. So like, it took me like a couple of weeks, and I was like, oh, wait a second, <laughs> and it happens all the time because you guys weren't in the same class, were you? I'm trying to remember. Honestly, I'm not sure. I, I think we were. I think I had you right before lunch. Yeah, because normally when I have fraternal twins, they're in the same class. For whatever reason, the system doesn't recognize that this is your sister. But if it's a brother, it does. Like I never have brother, brother, twins, twins together in the same class. But brother, sister, twins, I always have in the same class. So it's That's probably. Funny. Yeah, it's probably the case. So, yeah. And so then. Did, did you find i gotta ask the question i'm sorry um did you find there to be like this massive competition between you and your sister or was it just kind of like you're doing your thing i'm doing my thing because i don't ha i don't have a twin and i only have an older brother so i think we were different than most in that regard usually you know you hear about the sibling rivalries and stuff like that but um, we never really, we never fought growing up. Um, 
and we just really pushed each other. And I guess maybe that's where you would say there might have been some competition, but always rooting for each other. Never really tried to outdo the other one or anything like that. So I do remember that. I do remember the the true love and admiration for each other and, you know, always having each other's back no matter what. And I, I always love that about you guys, that that you were so there for each other and you you know you had your little arguments here and there like everyone does that has a sibling but never like i hate my sister or my brother's a jerk like you never heard any of those things from either of you and it's quite unusual especially in middle school and the other thing is like you two both of you are like so chill and mellow and i wanted to know if that's like a family trait is that something that mom dad both or an uncle is that is does it derive from there or is it just how you guys are? Um, I guess it's a mixture of both. My dad's pretty laid back and my mom is too. But I think out of everyone, I definitely by far am the most relaxed and the chillest and easy and easygoing. <laughs> That's something I've heard my entire life. But I Always. guess it's just it's overarching for the most part. Everyone's pretty relaxed. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because I, I I remember that, and the more we talk, the more I remember. And you just like I, I think I remember saying to your parents, like, I need twenty more of these. Like, he's we could talk about anything. He's the chillest kid in the world. Nothing gets him off kilter. He's just really that mellow, easygoing kind of kid. Laughs at the jokes. Doesn't take things personally. You know, and it, it's I just remember that about you so much. And it's good to see that that obviously has continued into your adult life because that's a wonderful thing to have you're not high strung you're not you know whatever you're just this mellow kind of easygoing dude and it's really cool um so was there a moment for you that maybe uh, a teacher a parent uh, i don't know your sister where learning all of a sudden inspired you where all of a sudden you were like oh my god and it doesn't have to be young it could be when you were older but is there that clear-cut time where you're like this is when I remember learning just kicking in for me uh let's see I would say it started off with my mom more than anything just from a young age she always tried to immerse us in knowledge, whether it was books. I, I remember she always used to take us to the library every two weeks. My sister books, and I'm not talking like picture books. We're talking books, books, and we'd race through them. We'd, we'd read all 10 in two weeks and be back for more. Voracious um, we, readers. Yeah, we, we definitely were. Did uh, I don't know if Kumon still exists. Yes. It was yeah. one of those enrichment things and we were always doing that or the hooked on phonics when we were kids so learning was just something that like, definitely came from us easy easy and early on so i know the answer to this question but my audience doesn't where were your parents born my parents were both born in haiti so we're me and my sister are first generation americans so irregardless of where your parents came from the the your generational of people if your parents were immigrants from somewhere i have now heard this story many 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 times that their parents took them to the library and they just would go and read uh, i had another interview with samit his name was he's in college now he goes to uf now and he said the same thing 
that his parents were born in India and they didn't have all the access that we had and they were constantly brought to the library. It's just so interesting to me now, the more and more that I interview people, the more and more we're, we're quote unquote different, we're totally the same. Like I've heard this story before and you know, his parents weren't from Haiti, his parents were from India, but same exact story. It's so amazing that as much as we think we don't have in common, we're so, so similar as people. And that's awesome. So your mom took you guys to the library and you, did you get to choose the books or was mom kind of like guiding the curriculum or it was just like, no, it was just free reign for us. You know, she would just, sometimes she wouldn't even come inside. She'd just sit in the car. All right, I'll wait for you guys. Go, go get whatever you want. And, you know, it got to the point where we'd be asking her to take us to the library more than she that's, would be saying, guys, let's go to the library. It's that's just, so awesome. So that was like in, ingrained in you at a very early age and never left. Right. That's amazing. Oh, wow. And, and I'm so glad that you shared that story because, like I said, I've heard this before. Like the immigrant child, first generation American, that seems to be the way. Look, here's the education. It's at this place with all the books. It's free. All we have to do is go there and get them and remember to return them. And that's it. So that's incredible. So that's where it all started. Oh, wow. Yeah, it definitely made things easier later on because I know you hear stories nowadays of, of kids oh saying I hate to read or you know I never really liked reading I was in an avid reader which is fine it's not for everybody but it definitely translated to, to coursework pretty well because as you elevate through high school college graduate programs whatever it is you can't get around that you know no. you have to read for assignments or this and that and, and the reading gets more challenging more difficult and yeah a lot more dense was there a particular teacher, now that you're saying that this was your mom, so once you went to school, was there a particular teacher that made that aha moment? Maybe it was a class prior you didn't like, but yet this teacher had this style that hooked you in, or maybe it was a, a class that you'd never had before, and you're like, wow, I really like this. Did, did that exist as well in your life? I'll say there, there definitely were a few. I think at every level, usually you, you gravitate towards one or you know a few different teachers or professors that that do uh help with that you were definitely one of them well um, thank you that that wasn't a plug for me but i appreciate that very much you were you were definitely one because you know you made coming to class fun every day but then also you know taught us in ways that were pretty easy to understand and then i had miss gray who she actually wasn't a teacher she was staff uh, at my elementary school and she she definitely uh, one day i think this was in fourth grade she wasn't even talking to me she told my mom that she saw a uh, hints of obama in me wow. and hearing that as a fourth grader Huge. That really, yeah, that 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 definitely <laughs> didn't make my ego any smaller. Yeah, that definitely laid a huge dent in that ego. That's yeah. for sure. Wow. Yeah. Hearing um, that when here's the first African-American president to ever hold office and you're this young kid going, wow, you're comparing me to that dude. Whoa, that's awesome. Compliment. Yeah, I was right in the middle of everything going on with that. And then in high school, I had my calc teacher, well, my math teacher, I should say. I had her all four years in high school for various levels of math, Ms. Jacobowitz. She definitely also um, made learning fun and, and made me realize that that's something I'm not only good at, but just should value as well. So, 
And are all these things individualistic? Like, it, was there a common factor that you could place them all together since what the last person you said was math? Was there a commonality between them or are they just all different people that just touched you at a different time and went, whoa, okay, yeah, I'm digging what they're selling here. Yeah, I think it's more so different, different people, different time and just different aspects. Um, there definitely was no commonality, totally different subjects, different teaching styles and such. So I think it was just in the moment hmm. and just the relationships formed or just just did it for me, I guess. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you are open enough to let that happen because a lot of kids aren't. A lot of kids don't want to let adults into their lives who they don't really know very well. You know, they don't see that you're spending 55 minutes a day, five days a week, 180 days out of a school year. And they're just kind of like, yeah, you're just the person in my life making it more difficult. And yet you're embracing these people to help your life be enriched and move forward. That's awesome. And that you had that many. That's really cool. Because most people are like, yeah, I had like one or two. And I'm glad that you had a lot. Yeah, I think um, I was just fortunate just to attend pretty good schools overall. And that just, yeah. So if you could extrapolate, is there something about like that aha moment with, it doesn't matter who it is, with one of those teachers that you can remember that you were like, the light bulb just clicked on? Was there like a specific scenario or situation that you could recall? I remember with Mr. Koblitz, uh, this was my senior year of high school, and a, uh, the AP, I was taking AP Calc with her, and the exam was coming up. Uh, my senior year, this, I guess, goes against a lot of what we are here to talk about, but I wasn't a bad student or anything, but just typical senioritis, you know? Yeah, you'd given up by that point. <laughs> yeah, college is around the corner. Already, you already got already in. Except the UF knew what was happening. You know, didn't really yeah. care. As long as I don't get D's, I'll be gone. Right. It's fine. <laughs> so I, I remember I was sitting in class one day, and I had her first period, first thing in the morning, uh, with my sister, actually. We, we had that class together. And I remember Mr. Koblitz pulled me over to the side and she said, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, well, like what's, what's going on? And she was like, oh, I've just, you know, noticed you in class the past, you know, I don't know, a few weeks or so. And something seems off. You're just not really yourself. And I was like, oh, in what way and stuff? And she's like, I don't know. You just seem a little distant, blah, blah, blah. And nothing was really going on or anything, but it just took, took me by surprise that she would notice something like that and yeah. it was more so she was concerned she was care she, yeah she cared about you she right. could see a difference in who you were and who you've become in this small amount of time like i my wife tells me all the time like all these kids staring at you all the time and i don't think about it i'm just up there i think and this like oh my gosh this person actually noticed my change in demeanor yeah, because she noticed. I think we had we had a practice AP exam that we took, and I got like a three on it. And Ooh. she was like, "Yeah, she was like, that's not, you know, reflective of your capabilities and stuff." It's not the Eric I know. Right, right. And I remember she literally even called my mom to see if, if everything was okay. Just, just you know, not in a bad way. No, no, but just, just out out caring. Genuine, was, yeah, right. We're just back to so, caring. That's it. Yeah. So then that in that moment, I, I really realized, I was like, wow, not, I mean, not only does she care about me as a person, but also, you know, my education and, and everything like that.
And I think that's what a lot of people tend to overlook with teachers. And I'm not going to say every teacher is that way, but most of them are. You know, people don't become teachers to be millionaires. I mean, it doesn't, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. And people who usually become teachers, they want to help. They want to care. It's just, is the person receptive to that help and that care at that time? You know, are they willing to accept that, okay, you made a mistake, but this teacher is trying to help you overcome and, and be better than that. And not like, why are they on my case and blah, blah, blah. But again, it goes back to you and your maturity and how you were and the person that you were. And you, you were open enough to see that this person cared enough to say, man, what are you doing? Like, this isn't the Eric that I've known for the last three marking periods. You're like throwing it all away and not giving a crap here right at the end. Like, what are you doing? That's, that's really interesting. So I asked my students uh, who have listened to the podcast to give me questions every once in a while, like, is there something that you want to ask? And I usually ask something about the transition from middle school to high school. And basically what they wanted to know was, from your opinion, if you can remember, what was the biggest difference between middle school educationally and high school educationally? Let's see. I'll say it's a little bit of a culture shock. It, it definitely is at first. You know, you're used to uh, most most of the time, I guess, in my experience, I should I should say rather. Um, there's just a lot more people to begin with. I don't remember the student population of Don Estridge. About 12. But just, yeah. But OK, so let's say 12, about a thousand kids. When I West Boca, there was I think it was about twenty five hundred. Yeah. So it's so, like, you know. Yeah, a lot, almost double, right? Right, on a daily basis, not only you're seeing more people, you're interacting with more people. I had a lot more friends, uh, like a, a bunch of kids that you know I used to play basketball with, knew knew from the neighborhood and stuff like that, who I had never gone to school with before, just because I always went to school in East Boca as opposed to West Boca. And now I'm going to school with them, so you know there's there's no one behind you as much to to force you to do things. You know that you get to high school and it's kind of it's all on you. It's up to you whether, you know, you want to go to class, you can skip if you want. It's up to you to, you know, do your homework and everything like that. There's no, usually your parents kind of take a step back at that point as well, just because, you know, you are developing into a young adult. Yeah, the reins, as we would say, are loosened and it's more like, okay, here's the wheel. Don't crash the car. Good luck. Right. Right. I mean, quite, quite literally, too. You start driving then. Exactly. And that, that's, that's where the temptation lies. You have your own car. You drove to school. All right. My parents think I'm at school. Let me just skip for the day or something like that. So it's, it's really uh, everything becomes more independent, I think, is the best way to yeah. put that. That is a really good way to put it. So if you could turn back time and tell eighth grade Eric some piece of advice of any kind, to, to maybe help the future be a little bit more smooth without having to wreck the space-time continuum, as uh, Doc Brown said in Back to the Future. What would you tell young Eric that might be able to help him have a smoother ride going forward? <laughs> to invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in, in eighth grade, it'd be like, Bit what? Isn't that oh, only like 25, man, I, 25 I, cents? I think about that every now and then. There's a website that I think tells you, you know, if you invested, let's say a Starbucks cup of coffee worth in Bitcoins, let's say $5 back in, I guess, let's say for top topic of this conversation, 2010, right. what it would be worth, worth now. And right. it's just, 
astronomical. Right, right, right. So what was the most challenging educational experience and how did you overcome that challenge? I would probably say my initial transition into pharmacy school. Um, UF definitely challenged me taking, especially the, the last few classes, taking, you know, biochem and this and that. But it's just totally different when you start a graduate program. Um, I'm actually in, in two right now. I'm in pharmacy school and I'm also getting my MBA. Wow. Right now and just, just seeing the, the difference even on, on that level, the educational difference, the rigor and stuff like that. I think that was the biggest culture shock. And also, uh, I mean, UF was four hours away from home. You know, if I wanted a home cooked meal, my mom would come up for the weekend or, you know, I could go home. No problem. Now I'm in Memphis and it's not <laughs> just, you know, home is just a four hour drive away. <laughs> right. I can't call mom. Hey, I'm coming home this weekend or just pop up if I wanted to. So I think that made made everything a little harder, but really just just the rigor of the coursework. I'm ta- I'm started started off taking classes that you know I had already taken, even biochem and stuff like that. But it's just so much more in depth. Yes, you, you're thinking like, wow, I, I should I know this, like I should be okay. But it's like taking a whole a whole new class. But just um, I just dug down deeper, spent longer nights in the library that was that was a transition I had to make I wasn't always a library kid even though I said earlier you know I used to go pick up books from the library and stuff but as far as studying yeah that's never, totally different yeah <laughs> totally I never, different. reading I never and studying would, yeah I never would go to the library and really and just sit down and study but that was something I, I had no choice to do once I started pharmacy school I had to be start studying earlier is no 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 room for procrastinating i had to force myself to be in the library even on on it could be a random tuesday i don't even have an exam coming up for a week week and a half but i'm in the library because i need to study i think that was one of the biggest adjustments i had to make i was very similar in that respect i had to go to the library to study i need the quiet i need just nothing around me but nothing i i can't focus when there's a lot of noise I just wind up reading the same thing over and over and over again. But I've known that ever since I was a little kid. Whereas for you, it was a transition because now once you're in these higher level classes of these graduate programs, like you said, the perfect word, the rigor, it's just become more challenging, more difficult, more is expected of you. And you had to change your overall educational dynamic. I mean, let's face it. You're not a dummy. You weren't taking, you know, basket weaving 101 and you weren't doing things like that you were taking very difficult and challenging classes from the jump. And now you had to almost, I don't want to say reinvent yourself, but you had to redo your study techniques and habits of things that you did. So you're constantly being a chameleon and changing yourself to better for the situation that you're in. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah, it definitely wasn't easy. Just as you said, I think you mentioned earlier how you used to have a photographic memory. I think I did too. And that, that's kind of what helped me get through middle school you know some parts of high school it just things came more more easy and more natural but then I remember also sitting I was it was like my first let's say month of class and I see all all these kids with iPads everyone has an iPad (laughs) and I'm just like why does everyone have an iPad it was foreign to me I was just used to either reading just having the PowerPoint open on my computer and just reading it Right. Maybe maybe I'll write some notes, but I wasn't really a note guy. 
And then just one of my one of my friends told me about it, and he showed me there's a, an app called Notability. I don't know. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows about that out there, but I, I love Notability now. Yeah, it's a great app. Been using it for years. Yeah. Yep. Import all my all my PowerPoints in there, any yep. worksheet, anything, organize them by class, by subject, and just take all my notes in there. And it's going to make things easier for me in the future because once I start rotations and stuff like that, I can literally just let's say on it. Up. Yeah, search cardiology guidelines or, you know, AFib or something like that. I can literally just put it in the search bar and there go all my notes, you know, right there centralized for me. So that's that's always been a, a point that most of the interviewees have said that the organization is key and you found it digitally, but you found it. And that's the key to success is being organized. No, but it's organized for what works for you. And that's what I think a lot of young kids fail to understand. They're taught how to be organized, but it doesn't work for them. Well, then you have to go out and find a process that works for you. And you found notability and the iPad and you're like, wow, this is heaven for me. Everything all in one place, one stop shopping. And it's just getting organized. It's kind of like when I started uh, first using Google Classroom and Google Drive. I was all over the place and I was the most disorganized person in the world. And the first, the first time I used it, I was like, where is anything? And somebody was like, you have to make folders and you have to organize it or else it's going to be all over the place. And then my second year, I was like, okay, here's chapter one. This is everything I did in section one in this folder, in this folder, in this folder. Now I have more stuff than I could ever use because of being organized. So it's like you have to train yourself or in your case, retrain yourself to do something that will help you move forward. That's amazing. So with all of this rigor that you are constantly talking about, when is there downtime for Eric? <laughs> what do you do in order to just relax and have a little bit of me time? What are you doing? What, what, what is the thing? Like, are you still into basketball, playing, watching? Like, what do you do? Uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned basketball. We're sitting here talking. I literally have the Heat game up. Of course right you do. I, I remember what a huge Heat fan you were. That that was like your most favorite thing to talk about in class. Like, no, most most definitely. So I, I think it's just important every day to to take some time to yourself. Whether some people, you know, meditate in the mornings or yeah. a typical day for me, you know, I have class. I might go to work. But usually before I, I go to the library or something at night, I'll take an hour or two. I'll take Mamba to the dog park or just on a long walk outside. Might just sit and stare at the ceiling or I might go to the gym. And I still definitely with COVID made it hard with the gym and, and playing, yeah. finding places to play basketball. But things are starting to open up again now, which is nice. But I just always like to take an hour or two just to do something for me, just to decompress, to kind of separate from all that because I think if you don't you'll just whether you'll be stressed out you know exhausted I think it's just important to to take that time for yourself every day for sure or just burn out entirely and not be able to finish because you're just overwhelming yourself so right. now that we're more into basketball and you keep saying your dog's name I have to ask this is the homage to Kobe correct so the full story, I mean, yes, the answer to that is, is <laughs> the yes. Answer, the short um, answer is yes. <laughs> I wasn't a huge Kobe fan, but I always loved Kobe. You know, that's those one of the main guys, especially oh, yeah. when I was growing up. Rest, rest in yeah, peace. He, he was it. He was LeBron before LeBron. He was, he was it. He was the man right out of yeah. high school. Like, you know, it doesn't get better than that. 
Yep, just a, a, a prodigy. So the story with Mamba is one of my friends actually found him on Craigslist, convinced me to get <laughs> him. And it, it oh, was great, one of those. What a great friend. It Here's was a dog those, that you should get. <laughs> yeah, that she she would not let me pass him up. And it was one of those meant-to-be stories. We actually have the same birthday, so what? I guess he's a, he's a triplet, I guess, if you want to say, with right. me and my sister as well. There you go. Um, he's mostly black. He's, he has some white spots on him, but just – and I was 24 when I got him. He obviously wanted Kobe's number, so it was that's just right. – it was perfect. Yeah, Mamba. That is awesome. I love that story. Thank you for sharing. That's so cool. It took me a second. I was like, wait a minute. That's Kobe's nickname. Oh, that's so funny. Um, so going back to education, what would you say your most challenging experience was, and how did you overcome it? I would say, let's go pre-pharmacy school, biochem at UF. Man. <laughs> that just sounds hard. One of, the, probably the hardest class to this date, just about, that I, I've taken. Just It was taught by, it wasn't even like it was a, a bad professor or anything like that. It was just one of those difficult courses, learning, you know, things on such a, mechanical level yeah i was gonna um, say can you bring it down a little bit so my listeners can kind of understand they may have heard of the class but they're not quite under just totally understanding what it entails like what were you studying what was the crux of the class itself yeah so biochem stands for biochemistry and it's exactly what it sounds like it's basically chemistry and biology mixed together so you're learning about various biological processes let's say um the Krebs cycle, for example, um, you're learning about those biological processes, but on a deeper level, which is like the cellular and the uh, the molecular molecular level. So you're just learning um, all all of the this cell does this, and this is the pathway and the mechanism for it, and this is what it ends up doing in the body. So it's kind of combining everything together in relation to biology and chemistry and that's why i wanted you to explain it because i know how hard it is because i was the worst biology student in the world and thank god my major i didn't have to take chemistry but putting the two of those together i would just be like i gotta change my major i just can't do this like that just sounds impossible to me yeah it's like i i think that's definitely it's one of the most anything chemistry related is really where things get intricate and stuff like that but when you add biology to it and those you know vital human processes which are already complex and difficult in themselves it it definitely becomes a lot so taking that course i i just had to had to buckle down thankfully uh i think the biggest adjustment i had to make then was seeking help i was always a lone wolf type of guy i still am for the most part but i had to learn that i don't know everything um and i had to be comfortable with seeking help. So that was the first time in my life I actually sought out to be tutored. I had a tutor for, for biochem, which helped greatly. I uh, sought outside now, resources I, I, such as reviews and stuff like that. I just want to ask you one question. I just have to jump in here. Um, how did that make you feel? Since you're such a smart, smart guy, how did that make you feel to have to ask for help? 
when school for you was pretty much like, all right, I need to go to the library now because I got to study. And now you're like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, how, how, how did you feel at that moment when you finally made the mature decision to go, I need a tutor? It was tough. Definitely tough at first. Um, Cause usually when anytime I, I needed help, you know, my first go-to my sister, without yeah. a doubt, but being <laughs> that she wasn't taking that class biochem. So I was kind of, kind of stuck. Um, it, it was different because obviously it's not something that I've really had to do before. Not that I thought that it was beneath me or anything like that, because I don't, I don't think anyone should ever think that. But it's just it's just tough, I think, in any instance to, to ask for help. Um, yeah, I, I told you in the pre-interview, that's one of my hardest things to do is to ask for help. I will just sit there and struggle forever. And I don't want to ask people for help. And then, of course, after you finally do it and you're like, woohoo, I accomplished this then all of a sudden 10 people pop out of the woodwork like, hey, dude, why didn't you ask me for help? I know exactly what to do. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man. You know, and you have all these people in your life who can, but we're, we're, I don't know, maybe it's just a headstrong male thing. I don't know. It's all that testosterone or whatever, but I was the same way. It's like, I'm going fi- to figure it out. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, I just help. No, I can do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, as satisfying as the feeling is just to figure out things on your own. It's just one of those things when it comes to education and, and school, especially uh, as you advance, there are people around you who know more than you do. That's always going to be the case. I mean, hopefully, eventually, you get to the point where you're the expert in your field. But even then, you're not going to know everything. You know, there's going to be people who might know one aspect of something better than you do. And that's that's just life. So right. that being said, I think uh, it's definitely something to do that's better to do early as opposed to late. You Time is never on your side in that aspect. So the earlier you ask for help, the, the more benefit you get out of it, definitely. Now, you just said something that sparked another question for me. How would you have dealt with this back in high school? Because you said this was college that you needed a tutor? Yes, how would Eric have dealt with that if you were taking a class similarly in high school? Would you have been able to ask for help or you would have just gone the old, hey, sis, how do, how do you do this? Because she basically was taking the same stuff you did. So how would high school Eric have dealt with that particular situation? Definitely would have went to Dominique first. But let's <laughs> say let's say for hypotheticals that she didn't know. Or right, something right. like yeah, that. Let, let's just say that we know that's not true. Right, we we definitely say. know that's not the case. But <laughs> let's let's just say for purposes of this conversation, I know I definitely would sit and and wallow and kind of be stubborn because I I can definitely be stubborn at times. I'm not going to say you. that I I wouldn't have been able to, but it definitely would have taken a lot, especially at that age. I wasn't where I was, you know, a few years later mentally. To, or, mature, to, or maturity, the right. maturity level. Yeah, for sure. Like it would definitely would have been nice. I mean, there's there's classes, let's say AP classes or even, you know, regulars or honors classes, your physics or calc, geometry, even whatever it is that are difficult. They're not easy classes in, in high school and stuff like that. So I would just always say you have people around you that help. Yeah. That, you that, you, that you were just help. lucky. You, you had a built-in twin who... I mean, the two of you are like the smartest brother and sister pair I think I've ever taught. Like, I mean, the, between the two of you, there's more brain power there than I don't know where. I mean, you guys were just so, so bright. And yeah, it must have been a wonderful thing to be able to. I guess that's why you didn't have to ask for help. You had your sister and you could ask her for anything because she's your twin sister. It's not like she's your 
older sister or younger sister. She's your twin. So you felt comfortable at that was kind of like you had a built in tutor from day one. That's cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely a luxury. I know most people don't have, but just like I said, just it, don't don't be afraid to reach out to whether it's the faculty or just even your parents. Your parents might know things like that. It's like, hey, mom, do you, do you know this? And if they don't, I'm sure they will do probably everything in their power to help you to find help someone you. That, that that does and, and gets you those answers that you need or that help you need. Because at the end of the day, they're your support system and they just want to see you do well. So. Exactly. So that leads me to your quote. You had mentioned that your uh, your mom had a really good one that you pondered upon over the years. And what was that? What was the quote that mom gave you that you're like, I'm going to keep this one? Yeah. So my mom always, always told me for as long as I can remember that tough times don't last. Tough, tough people do. And what she always meant by that was not only are there, you know, other people who have done and gone through exactly what you're going through and triumphed so that means you can do it too if they did you can but also just kind of to focus on the the light at the end of the tunnel let's say like it it, even though things might suck now even though this class might be kicking your butt or just it's difficult you hate it some class you'll you will take a class as a student that might make you want to reevaluate learning as 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 a whole for sure. It's just, you know, if you just dig deeper, grind, and just push through it, it always gets better at the end. I love what you said about that people have gone through this before. And that was the same thing that my mother told me. And we're obviously generationally apart, but I heard the same thing when I was in college. And my mom is like, how many hundreds of people, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people have gone through the exact same thing? They, they can't fail everyone. You know, it's going to make them look bad. You just have to figure out the system and make it work for you and do the best you can and keep going. And that's it. You can't just give up because the professor doesn't understand you. They're not trying to help you. Every, they, it's very difficult. You have to get through it. And there's how many people before you and how many people after you that are going to do it. So that is definitely a great piece of advice for sure, without a doubt. So is there anything that you learned about Don Estridge as a school after you left, like you left and you were like, oh, my God, I never noticed that or realized that until you went to high school or maybe even college. And you just went, wow, that was interesting. Positive, negative. I would say definitely on a positive note, just um, the level of the education we received as a whole, whether whether you were taking, you know, whether you're gifted or not, just just as a whole, top to bottom. I remember when I started at West Boca seeing being in classes with kids I had known like I said whether it was from the neighborhood or just playing basketball whatever whatever it was um and what they most of them went to other schools didn't go to Don Estridge and just seeing where they were academically like you know so you start talking about let's say a homework assignment or, or something like that something you might think is really simple that you learned let's say some history topic I learned about in your class and they have never heard of it and it's wow. just like, wow, like how, how, how do you not know this? It's, it's so surprising to me that you wouldn't know this. And it's right. just I was quality, the quality of education was just so different. Wow. That's, that's a really nice compliment. Thank you so much. I, we, we always basically say Don Estridge is a uh, private school with public school prices. You know, we're giving you a private school education, but it's for free. And that's why so many people want to go there. And again, 
maturity, age, you don't quite understand that until you leave. Don't get me wrong. There are always some that get it, but most don't. And then they go to high school. And I, I say it all the time. Like, I'll never forget the kids came back one year and they were like, oh, my God. Uh, the teacher said, how many of you went to Don Estridge? And three or four of us raised their hand. And the teacher goes, you all learned this last year. So I know you know this because I know your teacher. So you have the next two weeks off. And everybody else who was from Omni and Carver and all these other schools, they were like, hey, that's not fair. How come they don't have to do the work? And the teacher was like, because they already know it. And that was when I realized exactly what you just said, that we really go up and beyond to teach you things to make sure that you're prepared and you know what's coming next. And that's what we, try, we strive to do. We want to make sure that you guys are going to high school almost overprepared. Yeah, and you guys definitely succeeded in that top, top to bottom. So kudos to to you and all my professors. Thank you. As a whole. Appreciate that. So is there anything that high school then showed you that that uh, Don Estridge taught you? Was there something that you were in high school? I guess, like you said, it was the knowledge of things that we taught you, like something in history, like some treaty or something that they didn't teach in another school and you were already ahead. So I guess it was that pretty much answers that question, unless there was something something else you remember. Uh, no, just basically, for the most part, what, what I just mentioned. Definitely. OK, cool. So. When you look back at your time in education. Do you feel that there were times when Eric's big brain, as I always say, this these these years, I'm like big brain. I always say that when somebody gets a right answer. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why I say it, but I just say it, and the kids love it. Um, was, was there a time when you would just, like, sit back on your, on your intelligence and just not have to really put forth the effort, and then all of a sudden you were like, whoa, I long for those days again where I'm not having to put so much effort in? Oh, we, my, me and my classmates now, we talk about this all the time. Uh, definitely back to the middle school days and, and even most of high school, it wasn't really until I started, you know, the, the deeper science classes at UF where I realized, you know, I can't just skate through <laughs> it anymore. Yeah. Um, things started to catch up to you just because as I mentioned, you're, you're not going to know everything as, as much as you want to. As smart as you think you are, you're never going to know everything. So it's just being able to recognize that and, and making that adjustment. But that was something that really started for me at, at UF. So that humbling experience of I don't know all that I think I do and oops, I got to go study. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's a wake up call because you you go from, you know, if I, I know if I look at this material for two hours or just read through the PowerPoints or, you know, just read through the notes, whatever it is, I'll be OK. But then, you know, that two hours turns into three, three turns into six, six turns <laughs> into 12. And you're just like, it's it's not the same, but you have to right be able to recognize that so it was interesting because for me i always felt like i studied more every level that i went up and then when i finally reached graduate school and i was going for education and they taught us the different learning styles and i finally figured out what kind of learning style i was i actually studied smarter instead of harder i spent less time studying the material just the correct way and once i figured that out i was getting basically straight A's and I was like why am I working the least amount of any level I'm in graduate school and it seems to be the easiest 
And I finally figured out because I was studying wrong. And now I try to convey that to the kids in middle school. And I'm like, look, you need to take a learning styles test. You need to figure out what kind of learning style you are. And then you need to go make sure that you're studying for that learning style. Because if not, you're studying wrong. And that's why you're not doing as well as you would like. Because you're wasting your time. It's not sticking in your brain. You know, it's like if, if I only use uh, masking tape to hold something up, but I really need Gorilla Glue, it's not going to work. It's going to hold it for a minute, and then it's going to break. And trying to get these middle schoolers to understand that, they're like, oh, but I've been doing this the way I've always been doing this. And what is that old adage? If you do what you always did, you get what you always got. And it's yeah. not it's not going to change. You have to, you are the, the instrument of change, but most people don't want to do that. That's yeah. Well, that was interesting. I mean, just like Einstein said, um, insanity is doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different result. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's just being able to, to recognize that. Thankfully when I got to, just like you said, even though I'm in graduate school now, same thing here. I'm definitely working smarter as opposed to harder i was fortunate enough to come across faculty and we have different services and stuff and they kind of made us look into those different learning styles and this and that like i have classmates who are more like me i just basically sit and read through stuff but then you know you have people who need to make study guides and flashcards mm-hmm. and this that and fifth thing so it's just yep. like you said knowing what works best for you and that'll definitely translate not only into you, you perform better in the classroom, but it'll definitely take up less time as well. And that's what it's all about, time management. Because once you start to get to graduate school, like I believe you mentioned briefly, you have a job and you have a dual major in graduate school. Granted, graduate school, is graduate school still full-time nine credits? Is that the same today? Uh, so no, it's a lot more. Pharmacy, for me, I think this semester I'm taking 20 or 21 credits. No, no, no. I meant like... Um, to be considered a full-time graduate student is the minimum amount of credits you need to take nine, or maybe you don't know because you're not doing that. I, I, I guess maybe I'm not sure because the, the way our curriculum is set up, I know for my MBA class, I, I mean, program, I think it's at least six. Oh, okay. To be for, for that. So I guess probably six, maybe nine, but. I, cause that's what it was when I was in graduate school, but that was like a gazillion years ago. So who knows how things change. So, I always end these podcasts in the same exact way. I ask the same exact question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to anyway. My last question is, do you remember who Don Estridge was? I do. That one, that one I learned. I remember uh, my, I had a cousin who was always into computers. And when I, I guess when my sister and I got accepted into Don Estridge, which is also a funny story because we almost didn't go there. Really? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell that story after this. But I remember telling him we were going to Don Estridge and then he was a big computer. He he's a year older than me. Big computer guy. He was like, oh, like, do you know who that is? And I <laughs> you know, didn't know, didn't care. And right. I, I know a lot of students probably know IBM is right up the street. and But basically he was one of the, most instrumental guys in developing the personal computer with IBM back in the day. So, and actually, our school was the IBM building. It was, it was a facility that was covered by trees. There were native Boca Ratoans or whatever they're called. I don't even know. And they were like, "Where did this school come from? When did they build it?" I'm like, "This school has been here for like 20 years." They're like, "What are you talking about?" 
I'm like, this was a secret IBM facility where the, compu the personal computer was made by Don Estridge. That's why the building is called Don Estridge. And people who've lived in Boca for 40 years were like, that building no wasn't idea. there. And they had no, they were clueless. They had no idea. And I said, yeah, it was covered with all kinds of foliage and nobody had any idea. And they're like, wow. Cause they couldn't believe how quickly the building quote unquote went from nothing to a school, you know? Right. And I was like, it was always a building. They just repurposed it. But yeah, no, that's awesome that you knew who that was. So what was this story about you getting into Don Estridge and not wanting to go? So it wasn't that we didn't want to go. It was, I remember, you know, obviously you applied to get into Don Estridge. So my sister and I applied and we, I guess, just didn't, didn't get in initially. And it was literally, like I mentioned, we lived in West Boca at the time. So we were going to go to Loggers Run. That was, that was our, our home school. And I remember we literally were on the way home from Loggers Run. I just went and picked up our schedule. This is three, four days before school is about to start. Literally, we're on our way home, and my mom gets a phone call saying, I guess the spots opened up on the waiting list and that we were accepted into Don Estridge. Nice. Yeah, that, that must have been an awesome feeling because I remember I've heard that story from a bunch of kids over the years where they were like, I never got in. And then right before I got the phone call, I remember one kid who told me they got the phone call like the day, the morning of. Like they were all ready to go to Omni or whatnot. And then they got the call and they were like, what do we do? Yeah, that's crazy. That's cutting it close. Yeah. Do we go to Omni or do we go to Don Estridge? You know, we've already gone to schedule pickup and we went and looked at the whole school and they're like, ah, we wanted to go to Don Estridge the whole time. But yeah, it's not uncommon that people who got in, they moved or decided not to go or whatever the case may be. That's awesome. I'm, I didn't know that story. I'm, I'm so glad that, that you did, because otherwise I never would have known who you and your sister were. That's right. incredible. We, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. So it's just, Not at uh, all. I'm a proponent of everything happens for, for a reason. So I kind of, it was just something that was meant to be. And here we are. Agreed 100%. I've always lived my life. My grandfather used to say that. My mom tells me that all the time. Your grandfather always says everything happens for a reason. And I, as, as I've gotten older, I'm in agreement. I, I totally do. It's there's a reason for all of these things. There's a reason for something being put in your path. And hopefully it's a good reason. And it, it definitely helps you out. So on that note, Eric, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for telling us about yourself and your journey. And from my class to today, there was one thing that I know all of my boys students are going to want to know. You have mentioned basketball theme throughout the whole thing. What, since I haven't seen you in quite a few years, what did you top out as height-wise? How tall are you now? I'm 6'2". So ah, okay. I, wish... I know the boys are going to ask me all the time. You talked about basketball, but you never asked him how tall he was. Yeah, I wish I was supposed to be 6'6". The doctor lied to me. Whoa. I don't know what, what happened there, Whoa. you know, according to growth chart and this, you know, percentile. And you hear that growing up. Yeah. But I uh, ended up at 6'2". I'm happy, happy nice. where I'm at. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to How I Got Here podcast with Mr. Proctor. Music provided by Miss Mata. Thank you to Patty Fernandez for the introduction. Thank you to Seth Proper for logistics and behind-the-scenes production. Join us next time for another episode of How I Got Here and more stories of former students and their journey.